This afternoon I'd like to start by reviewing the basics of the formal metta practice. For most of you this is a review, but there may be some of you for whom there's some information about this formal aspect of the practice that it's, that it's new. So by the formal metta practice, I mean the, um, the kind of practice where we use phrases directed towards particular individuals to incline the mind in the direction of well-wishing. The phrases of well-wishing, kind of some, some classic phrases might be things like, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease. These kinds of phrases express the wish from our heart that someone else be happy, well, safe, at ease. And so we're using the phrases as a way to begin to connect to the wish. Even if the wish isn't there, and, and we could say that the, the feeling of metta is the wish that when we have this feeling of metta, of connectedness, of caring for another person or being, that there's the that with that is the wish for their happiness and well-being. And so these phrases are being used in a way to kind of incline the mind in the direction of that wish and that feeling. And so while um, we may not, as we start a metta practice, as we start into this formal metta practice of offering these thoughts of well-wishing, we may not feel the feeling initially, but we connect to the meaning of the phrase and, uh, and that kind of begins to incline the mind towards that connection, that feeling. And so we could say that the metta practice is what we call a reflective practice, the use of thoughts to incline the mind in a particular direction, in this case in the direction of metta, in the direction of loving kindness. And so the practice itself, I think this came up as a question after uh, Jaya's talk, the practice of metta is a practice of connecting to the intention that these, uh, essentially we are saying these phrases with the intention to connect, to cultivate this quality of metta. And we may not be feeling the quality of metta, and yet the practice itself is not dependent on the feeling per se, but it is kind of softening the heart inclining the mind in that direction. And so the practice of metta, we could say, is a practice of the intention towards the feeling. And that as the feeling becomes available, we can use that feeling in the practice also. And so the the quality of metta itself is a feeling. It is that feeling of connectedness and care. 
the practice of metta uses intention to support the mind getting there. And those, the phrases, saying the phrases is an expression of that intention. The phrases are expressed as a request. May, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may I be safe, may I be at ease. And so it is not a demand, it is an, ex- it is an expression of the wish for well-being. And as I said just a moment ago, the metta is that wish. That wish for well-being does not demand a particular result because it is unconditional. It's also not an affirmation. Uh, sometimes in certain um, traditions, the, there's a kind of a, a kind of a inclining in the direction of a state, or um, especially towards oneself, by kind of saying to, my, to oneself, I am strong, I am happy, I am. This is not that kind of practice. This is a practice connecting to that wish that is not demanding a particular result or feeling. So also in the formal metta practice, we... Um, uh, the... the uh, the commentaries, actually, the Buddhist commentaries, pretty old, actually, um, maybe a couple of hundred years following the Buddha, this practice that we offer was formalized. So this is a very old practice. And actually, it, it, it may actually be older than Buddhism. It may be that Buddhism kind of adopted it. But it is written down in this form that we, that we offer here. It is written down in this form um, some some few hundred years following the Buddha. So the uh, this form is um, to use these phrases and to um, kind of our our goal or our aim ultimately would be that this quality or feeling of metta is pervading, and that's the way it is expressed in the suttas that the Buddha talked about the practice of metta being one abides, pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with kindness. Likewise the second quarter, likewise the third quarter, likewise the fourth quarter. Quarters meaning directions of space, north, south, east, west kind of directions, and then above, below, around, and everywhere. And so the, the instructions in the suttas are simply abide in the feeling of metta and pervade space with it. I don't know about you, but that was not easy for me. And still is, still is uh, you know, something of, a, of, of work. I can begin to do that now that I kind of have a sense of the feeling of metta. I can touch into it and then explore the possibility of letting that expand into space and just almost like ripple out into space and it's like it doesn't care or it's not that it doesn't care it's like it doesn't it doesn't discriminate whatever beings it connects with it's offering that feeling to and so there's there's that um, that is the instruction in the suttas but 
I think some very wise people in the years following the Buddha thought, wow, that's not so easy. Let's, let's build up to that. Let's look at the places and the ways in which it's like we get stuck in metta and work with those. And so the instructions that are offered in the commentaries starts with specific individuals rather than the general sense of abiding, pervading all space with kindness. We bring individuals to mind. Specific individuals we bring to mind and then we explore the possibility of connecting and offering that wish of kindness to a specific individual. And to me this is, this is so helpful because for me the kind of sense of offering it to um, space or to all beings feels a little abstract and bringing a particular individual to mind I can have more of the sense of connection of what it might mean to wish well for that person. And so the instructions for the metta practice, this formal metta practice, are to begin with a being for whom it's really easy to connect. I believe that Rebecca mentioned this last time. And the commentaries say the easiest being for us to connect to is ourselves. Here in our culture, that may not be the case. And so sometimes we talk about in our, um, in our version of these instructions, just pick somebody for whom it's really easy. We call it the easy being. I heard this instruction once from Joseph, and he said, pick a being that makes you smile. And I'd had a lot of trouble with metta practice. Um, having trouble connecting with that feeling. And when he said that, I immediately thought of my cat. And I thought, yeah, I can feel that feeling for my cat. That's where I could begin. To get a sense of the flavor of that heart that connects and cares. And so we, we start where it's easiest, with an easy being. Connecting with ourselves also as a being for whom we explore the possibility of wishing well. And then from there we move out to friends. This is a pretty big category, you know, people that we know that we're close to. And then from there we, um, we move out to neutral people. And then from there, difficult people. And for each of these categories we are asked in the formal metta practice to pick specific individuals that fit into these categories. And so um, we are always kind of in this practice connecting with specific individuals. In um, the formal metta practice as it's used for concentration, and I won't say a lot about that today, but Um, in that, when it's used in the cultivation of concentration, we keep the practice more simple, that we would just pick a single person for each of these categories and stay with that person and not complicate it by adding more individuals. And partly that's because in the concentration practice, each time you introduce a new being into the picture, it kind of potentially can um, wobble the concentration. And so in doing 
um, the settling into concentration, we want to support that by keeping it simpler. But in doing the metta practice um, more to cultivate the quality of metta, you may be invited and, and you can explore the possibility of in a particular category, starting with a particular friend, perhaps like in the, in the friend category, starting with a friend. And then um, there may be, you may find as you do this, I think Rebecca even mentioned this, that there's some people that kind of queue up, like almost like asking for metta. So it's like you know, bringing, bringing friends to mind and wishing them well. It's like other friends start to show up in our mind, kind of saying, oh, me too, me too. And you're welcome to, to, do, to do that, to shift from person to person in a particular category. If you're just exploring it in terms of the opening of the heart, the kind of the cultivating the connection with the feeling of metta. Part of the reason for picking specific individuals is not only because it helps us us to um, connect with the feeling more, a sense of the feeling, uh, not um, an idea, kind of a generalized idea of metta, but really specifically connecting with an individual, that that also begins to... um, Show us where some of the challenge or the rub is with metta practice. If we're kind of just doing it for, um, you know, generalized a sense of radiating metta and, oh yeah, whoever it touches, there can be some delusion that enters in that kind of skips over the specifics of where and how it's challenging for us. And so if we bring in a particular individual, for instance, a dear friend, as we get to that category, bring in a specific individual and stay with that individual for a while, you might find that you know, initially it's pretty easy to connect with metta for that, for that friend. You know, there's kind of like, oh yeah, that friend, we have such a good time. And you know, maybe the, the sense of seeing that person you know, in a place where they're happy and and then, you know, the mind can, can go on with that. But then after a while of hanging out with that person, it's like, oh yeah, and they did that thing. They did that thing that wasn't so nice. And there starts to be the rub. Now the practice of metta here isn't to say, oh well, that's not working now for that person, let me shift to another person. But actually this is the metta at work. Guy Armstrong has used the analogy of metta as being like having a metta magnet. You know, metta practice is like having a metta magnet and running that metta magnet over your heart. And, and what does a magnet do? It attracts its opposite. And so the function of the metta practice is actually to begin to highlight where the heart is caught or tight or not able to connect. And so when that happens with a dear friend, oh, they did that thing. That's the metta practice working. It's not a mistake. And so that's a piece of of using the specific individuals that helps us to kind of, well, it's the purification process that we begin to see where we get caught, where we get stuck. 
we might see that that the idea of oh yeah, I have uh, I have like boundless um, unconditional love for this person. Well, maybe not. And this is not a mistake that this is shown up. This is part of how the practice works. And so the practices. Um, we start where it's simplest, and the categories generally are ordered in this way, the easy being in self to start, then a friend. Dear friends are generally thought of as easier um, um, than neutral people, and then difficult people. And yet for some, um, you know, I have found at times that metaphor, um, a neutral person can be quite... Um, um, natural in a way because it's like it's not complicated with a dear friend sometimes the metta practice gets really complicated because there's so much relationship there so many things that have happened between you and in a dear friend it's kind of more like this is a stand-in for any human being and and we can kind of have a sense of yeah it's hard being a human being and they go through difficulties and they go through joys and the, 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 the sorrows and the, the joys of life and we all deal with these things. And so there can be a kind of a sense of just connecting to this person on a very human level and not so much on the specific level. And so sometimes a neutral person can be a, an easier person to connect with. And the difficult person, I think we often say as we're doing this, um, picking a specific person in the difficult category. It's usually helpful, especially if this is, um, you know, if this is a time that you're really just starting to learn this practice, picking not your most difficult person, but maybe picking somebody for, with whom there's just more of a little bit of a rub. If you've been doing this for quite a while, and you have the inspiration to pick a very difficult person for yourself, go for it. Watch what happens. See the rubs. Notice where the, the, the challenge happens. And explore the possibility of connecting to the fact that this person, too, is a product of their conditioning. That we start to see for ourselves that um, you know, in our mindfulness practice, we start to see that all the stuff, the messiness of our of our minds, is conditioned. It's not really our fault, and yet we are responsible for how we respond and how we act. And so, uh, we can have a sense of connection, perhaps, for a difficult person through that understanding of their responses are also conditioned. Maybe if I had lived their life from the beginning of their life, perhaps I would have some of the struggles that they have and behave in some of the ways that they behave. So another piece about the formal metta practice is um, it really became alive for me when I explored it as an embodied experience, as an embodied practice. I said a little earlier that the metta practice is a reflective practice. 
And a reflective practice more generally is a calling a, a concept or a thought into the mind and then noticing how that concept or thought affects your present moment experience. This is a general practice and we're not, we're not teaching it here in this uh, retreat except in this form of metta practice. The metta practice is a form of reflection. We are calling a particular individual to mind and exploring this possibility of wishing them well. And so we're bringing a person to mind and dropping this this wish of well-being into our system. The other day I I talked about in Exploring Thoughts that... um, it's useful in noticing that a thought has arisen to see what kind of ripples it has. You know, we, it's like the thought is like a pebble that gets dropped into a pond or a rock that gets dropped into a pond and ripples are created. And our, our exploration there is to like, connect with the ripples. And so in the metta practice, it's like each time we say a phrase, it's like dropping a pebble into a pond there will be some form of ripples. It may be resistance ripples. It may be actual feelings of metta. It may be confusion ripples. And so in the practice of metta, what I found uh, began to make it come alive for me was to take it kind of slow. So with each being, with each individual, I would connect with the individual and say the phrase in my mind, may you be happy. And then take some time to let myself kind of connect, especially with the area around the heart. How did it feel? Almost like we think about dropping that phrase into the heart. How did it feel to drop that phrase into the heart? Was there any ripple there? What happened? An honesty with yourself. Was there a contraction, a fear, a confusion, a feeling of connectedness? What was there? That, at least for me, began to point into the possibility of feeling just a little bit of the, like the ember of metta beginning. I did a month of intensive metta practice at one point. I did this practice 24-7. Well, I didn't do it when I was asleep, but a lot. I mean, I did it all day long, as much as I remembered, all day long. There was one point where um, I was in the dining hall and feeling kind of sorry for myself and kind of miserable. And then I remembered, oh, the metta phrases. And it's like, wow, I have no access to metta right now. But okay, well, at least I can say the phrase and understand its meaning. You know, and that's an important piece of the, of the metta practice. We connect with the meaning. It's not a mantra. We're not just kind of rolling the phrase through our mind. We say the phrase, we understand the dictionary definition of the words. We understand the meaning of the the words. And I, I said to myself, well, I can do that. I certainly can't feel it right now, but I can do that. And so I started offering metta for myself. And, uh, you know, I I did this where I just kind of checked in with each time. I said, may I be happy? And I feel into my heart feeling like the kind of the clouds of, depression and just the the kind of messiness of it. But as I began to notice, as I dropped the phrase in, 
And I felt it was like this little tiny shift in the heart. A little bit of, oh, actually that feels pretty good to wish that for myself. And it was just like this little tiny ember of metta that got started. And every time I said a phrase, it was like a gentle like blowing on that ember. And within 20 minutes, I was so happy. And that was kind of startling to me. It was like, wow, this intention, that was a real confirmation of how the intention practice works. Because it just started with the intention to connect with the phrase and the meaning. And feeling into, it was important to feel into it. If I'd just been the phrase and the meaning, I don't know that it would have had that effect. Because it was really kind of the feeling of that, that little ember that began to grow that allowed the practice to really take hold. So we connect with the being through an image perhaps, or um, sometimes I would find images to be hard for me. I wasn't so able to connect necessarily with the images at times. And so I would sometimes use the name of the person in, in, in my metta practice, that sometimes would evoke them. Or sometimes it would just be like, you know, right now, just um, close your eyes. And you don't have to try to I- imagine the person, but just like, like you don't have to create an image of the person, but just like think about as if somebody you care for is sitting with you right now. And just like as if you have, you're sitting with them with your eyes closed. And now, bringing another person to mind in that way, like another person maybe sitting next to you, a different person that you're sitting next to with your eyes closed. And so I I don't know if this has any different or evokes anything for you, but for me there was a way in which I could, without having to kind of produce an image in my mind, get a sense or a feeling of what it's like to be with that person. It's almost like a an embodied feeling of being with that person. So sometimes that's a doorway into that connection. And then saying the phrase, understanding the meaning, and then connecting with how does it resonate. So let's do this together. Um, And we'll just go through a few of the categories. We're not going to go through all the categories today. But I I, I laid it out for you so that you can play with this formal practice during this week, as you wish. If you'd like to, like, for instance, take a day with each of the categories. And what I'd encourage is, like, each day then you add a person and then you're doing, first you're doing, like, yourself and then... Um, self and benefactor the next day and then self benefactor and friend the next day and so adding a person each day um, over the week and just playing with it and and seeing what happens with with your experience as you connect with the different specific beings so we'll start um, finding a posture that feels comfortable and you're welcome to lie down if that's supportive for you Um, for this time. Um, And we'll find a posture that feels comfortable and yet alert. So some, some alertness there. 
It's really helpful with metta practice to be, for the body to be as comfortable as possible. And we'll start with just like connecting to how you are in this moment. And in particular, letting the attention rest in the area of the heart. How is your heart? No judgment. It's just like to take the pulse of how you are in this moment. And we'll start in this period with a mini easy being. And I'll offer you the same suggestion that Joseph did, picking a being that makes you smile. And a way to begin the connection is to reflect for a few moments on things that you appreciate about this being. Maybe just ways that they are, kind of inherently, or maybe things, the kind things they've done, or just a sense of their care for you. connecting with your appreciation for this being. This is a way that the heart can kind of soften in relationship to this being. And connecting with this being in a way that works for you, whether with the name or an image or a felt sense of being with them. And beginning to express the wishes of loving kindness. May you be happy with that wish Taking a moment, how does it feel to make that wish? You drop that wish into your heart. What's the response? And no judgment about the response, just noticing what's there. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. You may have your own phrases, that's fine. And so continuing for the next few minutes with this easy being, this being that makes you smile, 
to offer them well-wishing. And remembering to check in how it feels each time you make a wish. And allowing yourself to bring yourself into mind. Again, this might be with a sense of yourself just sitting here as you are right now, an image of yourself. Reflecting on things that you appreciate about yourself. For me, this was challenging. And so it was helpful for me when teachers offered a reminder, you are here practicing to cultivate wholesome qualities. You've taken six weeks or three months to come here for this. This is a rare and beautiful offering for yourself in the world and deserves appreciation. Let yourself appreciate yourself for this effort. And connecting with yourself, beginning to offer yourself 
the wishes for kindness, loving kindness. For some it may be helpful to put your hand on your heart to kind of feel that area as a way to connect with that area. May I be happy. How does it feel in the heart to make that wish? No judgment, just an honest noticing. Using our ability to know, our mindfulness, to know how it is to make this wish. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. Continuing to explore this wish of well-being, kindness for yourself for the next few minutes.
If it feels like it gets too challenging to work with yourself, you're welcome to shift back to the easy being for a few moments and then see if you can slip yourself back in after a few moments. I'm bringing a dear friend into mind, letting go of this sense of your easy being or yourself and bringing a dear friend into mind. And again, connecting with something that you may appreciate about your friend. It can be useful in choosing a friend not to choose someone to whom you're sexually attracted. That can confuse the, the metta a little bit. Just keeping it simple for now. Letting yourself reflect on what you appreciate about this friend. And offering your friend the phrases the wishes of kindness. And connecting with each phrase. How does it feel to make that wish? How does the heart resonate with that wish? If some rub arises in connection with your friend, seeing if you can just hold it, remembering that this is a part of the metta practice. This is the metta doing its job.
If it gets too sticky, where it pulls you away from the phrases or you forget the phrases altogether, then it might be useful to go back to an easier being, either yourself or the easy being. Just connecting to your friend and expressing the phrases, the wishes. kindness for your friend. And now bringing a neutral person into your mind, somebody that you don't know very well, for whom there's not much of a, either attraction or aversion. Could be somebody here on the retreat, or somebody that you know well from your daily life that you don't know, like bank teller, or grocery clerk, or mail carrier. Sometimes it's easier to pick somebody who's more present. And so it may be more difficult to specifically think of things you appreciate about this person. But if they're here, you can appreciate their connection to the Dharma. If there's someone at home, you might appreciate in general how they serve you or support you, perhaps. Some way in which there's a connection there. And then exploring the possibility of offering them these phrases. Sometimes I find a a phrase that connects me to the neutral person can be helpful. I learned this from one of my Burmese teachers, Sayadaw Ujjanaka. He said to start with this kind of recognition, just as I wish to be happy, so too may you be happy. And see how it feels to make that wish. Just as I wish to be healthy, 
so too may you be healthy. Connecting on the human level with the neutral person. Just as I wish to be safe, so too may you be safe. Just as I wish to live with ease, so too may you live with ease. Continuing for a few minutes to wish this person well. And as a transition now towards the direction of all beings, let yourself gather your friends, your your stand-ins for each category, your easy being, yourself, your friend, and your neutral person. Envisioning yourself standing maybe in a circle facing each other. And together... Wishing together, may we all be happy. Remembering that this wish for happiness for others is not somehow taking away from our own wish for ourselves. They coexist. May we all be healthy. May we be safe. May we live with ease. How does it feel to make this wish together? And then transitioning towards all beings. 
You may still keep your group together to make this wish. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be safe. May all beings live with ease. So a few questions from Basket about Metta. I think I responded to the one about Metta, the intention and the feeling around Metta, so I won't read that one. One question, why does Metta practice lead to concentration I combined it with forgiveness practice and they led me in a gentle, vast field of concentration and joy. They can lead in this direction and I would say that it is, um, and the metta practice, with particular the joy piece that came with that, that is a kind of a, a flavor of the metta, that it brings in the happiness, the delight and the joy um, that can infuse the concentration field um, maybe maybe more quickly than even usual. But concentration is um, a very um, general state of mind that develops as our minds settle with experience. And so it sounds like in this case, the the mind settled very much with the collection of the intention towards the forgiveness and the metta for the particular person. And the mind was stable. That stability of mindfulness, we use mindfulness in metta practice, we're using it here to connect with the feeling, to remember the phrases, and a continuity of mindfulness over time stabilizing with an object or stabilizing even just with awareness. That's what concentration is. It doesn't have to come with the breath. If the mind is stabilizing with metta, and it sounds like in this case the feeling of metta became uh, available. And so the mind stabilized there and the field grew. And so it is, it is just simply uh, the natural consequence of the mind stabilizing with a particular experience. In this case, the metta. It can stabilize with the experience of hearing or the experience of breathing. It can stabilize with the experience of awareness, knowing moment after moment. 
what's happening. It's the continuity of attention on experience. That's where concentration arises. We sometimes use metta practice as a concentration practice. When I did that month of metta practice, I was doing it as a concentration practice, exploring the possibility of actually entering into the, um, the, the states of concentration, the jhana, the jhana practices, exploring how that might, uh, that might work. So we can use the metta practice in that way also. And it can also just spontaneously happen, as it did in this case, just because the mind stabilized with that experience over time. And then another question, uh, is, it ever, is there ever a wise time while practicing metta to bring in a being that's passed away? We are generally encouraged not to, yet sometimes these beings arise and the metta connection is, vibra- is vibrating already. And I would say that, um, uh, that that instruction about not bringing somebody uh, who has passed away, uh, that's, that's a, an instruction that generally connects with the concentration practice. Um, if you're doing metta for concentration, it is said that bringing somebody to mind who has passed away, um, the the metta can be maybe strong for a, a few moments, but but the perhaps the the continuity of metta is a little more challenging with someone who has passed away. That may not be the case for you, and certainly if a being arises in your mind. Uh, and there's a feeling of connection, you're welcome to use that. But do recognize that that being is no longer in the state or the place or the way that you envision them. And so for me, I might sometimes uh, wish, uh, wish well for that being wherever you are, however you are. You know, acknowledging that this is, this is no longer the being of the person that I had known. They're they're no longer that being or that person. They have transitioned to a different state. And so if it does support the connection, if you're feeling that, you're welcome to use use that. But there is a kind of an understanding that um, because they're no longer living and that that connection uh, is no longer available in real time with that person, as you envision them, that it can be a little bit um, more wobbly, perhaps. But again, you know, look in your own experience. If it's supporting the cultivation of metta for you in this moment, you are welcome to use a being that's passed away. Thank you for your metta practice. It is um, an amazing kind of karma that we're all here together. You know, some 80 of us here in this room practicing this quality together. This is a rare thing in the world, so appreciate yourself for it and appreciate the community. It's beautiful. Thank you for your practice.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.